Welcome to the Upper Limit Podcast, designed to help you expand beyond what you believe is possible for you so that you can live a life of limitless happiness, peace, and freedom. I'm your host, Jerrica Slow, and each week we chat science-backed strategies to help you with self-discovery, self-love, happiness, and overall mental well-being, a place for community, connection, and education. Now let's go fall in love with ourselves so we can fall in love with life. Hi, hello, welcome back or welcome to the podcast. I am so happy that you are here and today is so exciting because we have our very first guest episode, which I'm sure you guys remember we are doing monthly guest episodes now and I just know that you are going to absolutely love our first guest because I absolutely love our first guest. I had the honor of being one of Becca's victims in the people that she slides into their DMs to become friends with and... I adore Becca. I think she's so lovely and so powerful and just outright hilarious. Um, And we covered so many great things in this episode that I just know are going to resonate with so much of you. Everything from the psychology of shadow work, embracing your uniqueness, letting go of shame. We even touched on feminine embodiment and how the marketing world is just set up to make women feel like they need to change in order to be good enough. Like, Literally just so much fun information and I'm super excited for you guys to hear it. So Becca Nichols is a mindset and business coach that helps badass women reach new levels of confidence, success, and feminine embodiment. Becca loves diving into the darker aspects of personal development and all the taboo topics that everyone else is too afraid to talk about. Becca is the queen of keeping it real, holding you to a high standard, and being the loving slap in the ass that we all need. So without further ado, let's get into it. So we have the Red Witch, Becca Nichols here, and absolutely nobody is going to understand this reference, but that is okay. It is our little secret. So welcome, my favorite little Red Witch, Becca. (laughs) Let's just tell them because you know something, you guys, I have my period linked up to the full moon and Jerrica was kind enough to send me a TikTok that told me that because of that, I am considered a red witch. And that gave me a Beyonce level of confidence <laughs> for no reason. I was like, I am the most powerful, magnificent, incredible human being to ever walk this earth. <laughs> and I love that for me. So we've really claimed the red witch name yes. and I wore red today Ooh. just for you to really hone in on okay that. perfect yeah and then also following that tiktok conversation she sent me a picture of a fate like the red light uh that goes on your face the face mask and mm. i literally was like you are literally just red witch energy that is just that's right yeah. <laughs> and i'm so excited about that that red mask is going to be my new personality and i yes. hope everyone is prepared to see that on my instagram story yeah. every single you're just going to be popping up sharing valuable information just wearing this <laughs> the mask that's gonna be so funny you know I will yeah I have no shame (laughs) okay so we have Becca here with us today who has the absolute honor of being the very first official guest on the upper limit podcast um Becca slid into my dms back in August and I fell in love with her like genuinely truly fell in love with her so the rest is history um and I just knew when I made this list of people that I wanted on the podcast that Becca had to be first so the reason is because I want to go deep with you guys and Becca knows, we were literally just talking about this earlier, she knows how to go deep. So, um, and she's also simultaneously hilarious. So I know you guys are going to love her and I'm just super excited for this chat. So 
Can you start off by telling everyone listening a little bit about yourself, who you are, what you do? Absolutely. So as we've already covered, I'm absolutely hilarious and I am a red witch. No, I'm just joking. So my name is Becca. I'm a mindset and business coach and just a little about me and my journey. I kind of went through all of the shoulds in my early 20s. I went to university. I got the stable government job and just did everything that I was set out to do in order to achieve happiness and success. And in my early 20s, I got to the end of that little marathon and I was like, wow, this is my final destination and this is what I have to do for the next 30 plus years. And the thought of that really terrified me. And so from there, I went on my own journey of personal development and mindset and went on a retreat and hired a mentor and did the programs. And over the course of that journey within myself, I realized that this is what I was meant to do and I've never looked back. So I work with exclusively women because I fucking love women so much. I should have asked you first if it's okay to swear on this podcast. Oh, absolutely. If you invited me on this podcast and thought I wasn't going to swear, like you're deranged. So. So I really work with women on confidence, shadow work, all of the juicy, dark, taboo, emotionally charged topics that other people are too scared to talk about and dive into are my kinks. And at the same time, I really love helping early or aspiring coaches, entrepreneurs build up their business and just equip them with the tools and the strategy that they need to fully send it. So that's a little bit about me. Amazing. I love that. And I think too, a really big reason, and this is just from an outside perspective, why you are so good with the like taboo topics that no one wants to talk about is because like I just mentioned earlier, you know how to go deep. Like you know how to go deep. I feel like you know yourself more than anyone I know in this entire world knows themselves. And because of that, you're able to succeed in very emotionally charged topics. So I really want to just dive right into shadow work. I know a lot of my listeners are here for self-love content and I have never really touched. I'm not even going to say I've never really, I have never touched on shadow work. Um, And I would love for you to share what exactly shadow work is and a little bit about how it's rooted in psychology. Yeah, absolutely. So this is one of my favorite topics. So I'm so glad that you gave me the opportunity to share. So I mean, everything unfortunately comes back to our childhood, doesn't it? And so that's where shadow work really does start. And so the basis of shadow work is that when we are growing up, we talk a lot on the Upper Limit podcast about from zero to eight years old, your subconscious mind is really malleable and you're in a semi-hypnotic state and you are learning lots of things about yourself and you're also forming your concept of self. And so based on the reactions and the love and the acceptance or the belonging and the scolding that we receive from our parents, our teachers, our friends, our siblings, we decide what our personality is and we decide what characteristics are going to be on display because the other characteristics that have got us farther away from love, acceptance, and belonging, that threatens our basic needs. So many of us have a shadow side or a shadow self that's filled with lots of characteristics, lots of traits, lots of thoughts, desires, emotions that we suppress because we fear that if we show them to people that will make us unlovable or we will not be accepted. And unfortunately, a lot of people's greatest gifts are hidden in their shadow side. So as an example, when we're in school as middle school 
youngins, <laughs> sometimes people will put their hand up and ask like clarifying questions, or they'll just want to get side by side with the teacher and just make sure they're doing everything right. And what happens to those children, right? More often than not, you're called like a brown noser or you're made fun of for asking questions yeah. in school. But when we get into adulthood and workplaces, sometimes those questions and those ideas can be extremely valuable and you can bring a lot to the table, but you probably don't put your hand up because when you were younger, you learned that that made you a loser, right? It didn't Mm -hmm. actually, but that's the way that you were made to feel. And so in many ways, we're not being our whole self and we're, we're not being our true self because we're scared that the characteristics and the desires and the memories and the expressions of ourselves that are in our shadow side are going to threaten the relationships that we have around us. And so we suppress them. And when it comes to the more negative emotions, like anger, crying, a lot of people were made to feel like they couldn't express that as children. We do ourselves such a disservice because we don't allow ourselves to express those emotions. And we think that we just push them down and they go away, but they don't. They Mm -hmm. live in our body and they manifest in other ways. So my work is really rooted in bringing all of that to the surface and integrating it into your personality so that you can be your whole whole self and also integrating the emotions into your rotation of expressions so that you can express those things in a really healthy way. Mm, I love that. Okay. So is there a difference between shadow work and the typical like reprogramming your subconscious mind because i i know a lot of people online will talk about shadow work but i've i've even heard you say that a lot of people talk about it like they know what it is but it's it it goes deeper than that so can you maybe explain the difference between just reprogramming your subconscious mind versus actually partaking in shadow work yeah absolutely so Shadow work has been around for hundreds of years. It's actually based on the work that Carl Jung did, which is a big name in this industry. Um, He created uh, the Jungian archetypes and is just kind of the CEO of shadow work, if you will. And he is my king. Um, Love him so much and just love the work that he does because when the research on shadow work first started, people were just really focusing on the negative aspects of shadow work and the negative Mm -hmm. aspects of our personality. But Carl really came along and had a more wholesome, like holistic, integrated approach where it wasn't just about identifying those negative characteristics, but integrating them into our personality and forgiving them and accepting them and alchemizing them. So that's what I really love about his work. And that's who I really focus on. But you're absolutely right about what you said. I think there's a lot of people online that think that they are talking about shadow work and think that they are doing shadow work. and they're just not like, I'm just going to be so fucking for real. Like they're just not. And one of the things that I do in my shadow work course is the first two weeks, we really focus on our ego. Mm -hmm. So we all have an ego and our ego's job is to protect our concept of self. So who we think we are. And so unless we get to know our ego and what it looks like, what it smells like, what it tastes like, how it shows up, the reactivity responses, the defense mechanisms, then we will never be able to do shadow work because our ego will always be blocking us from seeing parts of ourselves Mm. that threaten our love, acceptance, and belonging, and that don't match our concept of self. So I think 
they're all working with the human psyche and the subconscious mind. But I would say that shadow work has a little bit of a darker, moodier flavor because we're really getting in there and talking about the things that are uncomfortable. Like I always say to my clients, like what's really difficult about this work is that when I leave a call with my clients, I'm used to feeling, you know, are we good? Are we feeling good? Are we feeling hyped up? Mm -hmm. Like ready to take on the world inspired. But after doing shadow work, it is uncomfortable. It is invasive. It's just, it makes you feel sweaty. It makes you feel kind of sick. At the end of it, you feel liberated and free and whole, Mm -hmm. but in the moment it can be really uncomfortable. So I think when it comes to this work, shadow work would be under the umbrella of reprogramming your subconscious mind and working with the unconscious. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's, it's in its own unique category, which is what I really love about it. Yeah. It sounds to me like shadow work is you're kind of just like coming face to face with your ego. I've never really known like the true definition of shadow work and, and I, I loved learning that. So Um, can you share some tangible shifts you experienced in your reality, even just like from the inner peace that you started to feel since you started partaking in shadow work? The biggest one for me and the one that I am most proud of just generally is my emotional intelligence Mm. levels. Um, but to go even deeper in that I used to be such a reactive person. I was so reactive and I used to blame it on my Zodiac sign, my childhood. (laughs) Wait, that is so for fucking real. That is so so real real. because I'm an Aries. So I was like, oh my God, like I'm just hot tempered. Like I just Mm. have short temper, but it was something I didn't necessarily love about myself at that time because often when you react in such a way, like you regret it after Mm -hmm. because it really wasn't well thought out. And so through shadow work and through learning about all the different reactivity responses and the reason why things got such a reaction out of me and why I felt so triggered and activated, I've really come to such a neutral place in my life where I really allow the things that deserve the magnitude of that like response Mm. to be given to something that actually deserves it. Whereas like I used to be cut off in traffic or like drop my fucking drink on the floor Mm. and it would just be game over, like not even for that day, but for the rest of the week. And I would just be so reactive. And what we don't want is to be in an unregulated place. Right. And sometimes even excitement and being overly excited is dysregulation. So my goal is to always be in a neutral energy and shadow work has really given me that. The other thing that it's really given me, and this is the reason why so many people will not do shadow work, is a level of responsibility in my life that is just truly unmatched. And what's really easy to do is blame my dad, my mom, my ex-boyfriend, my dog, the astrological season that we're in for all of my problems and why things have gone the way that they have. When in actuality, we have control over a lot of our reality and what shadow work really asks us to do is take responsibility. As an example, I used to get into relationships with really obviously emotionally unavailable men. And they would tell me right from the get-go, like, I'm not looking for a relationship. I'm not looking for X, Y, and Z. And like many of us at the time, I would think that my love and persuasion and fucking pussy power, whatever (laughs) I thought at the time, was going to change their minds. And I would get into the relationship and I would disrespect myself by agreeing to partake in something that 
wasn't in alignment. I wanted a relationship. Mm -hmm. And then three months later, I would be crying and just like singing the blues about like, he won't commit to me. And he's like, he used me and like all this stuff. When in reality, girl, you know what I mean? He literally told you from day one and you chose to go ahead. And so that's what it really gave me was looking at a lot of the situations in my life and no longer being the victim and like calling myself out. Like Mm. you chose that you chose to stay in that friendship. You chose to stay in that job. You chose to stay in that relationship. And now that's helped me make such empowered decisions moving forward because I know I am responsible for myself. I can't control other people. I can only control me. And so I don't play the victim in my own life anymore. Like I am the main character, the creator, and I am the responsible queen. So we just move differently now. I absolutely love that because let's get really for real right now. Um, (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) Look, okay. I might be calling out some spiritual people. No shade because you and I are spiritual queens, okay? Very. Um, It is a real thing where people play victim to their external circumstances by blaming the universe or by saying Mm -hmm. things like, well, this is just what's aligned for my path. Or like you said, like it's in my zodiac sign. It's in the stars. It's written for me. Like I'm supposed to go through this. And people underestimate the power of their, their brain. You have the power to take back control of your brain Mm -hmm. and your ability to actually create different results. And I think that falling into that mentality of like blaming the universe or like it's all spiritual, we're spiritual beings, X, Y, Z, like you can really fall into that victim mentality of like not taking responsibility for your life and your circumstances and your results and your relationships, like whatever it is. So I appreciate that you actually shared that because that is, <laughs> that's a big fucking thing. And it's a hot yes. take. It really yes. is. And it, it's something I talk about quite a bit because I think that human design and astrology and all that stuff is supposed to be empowering mm-hmm. and it can be information, but I think too many people allow it to put them in a box. And here's the thing about me. No fucking star in this sky is going to tell me who I am. And if there's a part of my personality that I want to enhance and amplify, I'm going to do that. And if there's a part of my personality that I want to control and turn down and regulate, I'm going to do that. No one's going to tell me how I'm going to live my life. And when it comes to spirituality, I don't focus so much on that. I focus on the quantum field and the quantum field tells me that I can have whatever I desire and I can be whoever I desire. So I'm not going to be bound or limited by my Zodiac sign, my human design or the astrological Mm. season that we are in. Like if anything, really focusing on true spirituality and what it means gives you more permission and more power to be who you desire to be. What if I told you that you didn't have to struggle with your moods on a daily basis? What if I told you that the negative thoughts and feelings that you currently hold about yourself weren't true and that you could feel better about yourself? What if I told you that the career you dream about having or the relationship that you crave so badly could be yours? What if I told you that struggle was only a result of poor communication between you and your brain and that you can learn to make your brain work with you rather than against you so that you can turn struggle into happiness? And what if I told you that your inability to live a life you actually love, to feel confident in your skin, and to boost your mood on a daily basis had to do with a lack of self-love? And now what if I told you that I have the perfect solution for you? 
a neuroscience-backed toolkit to help you turn hardship into happiness, to help you create habits and routines that will boost your mood, turn negative self-talk into positive self-talk, and create a lifestyle that makes you feel excited to wake up to every single day. Introducing the Self-Love Mastery Course, a self-paced course providing you with the science-backed strategies for falling in love with yourself so you can fall in love with life. Use code UPPERLIMIT to receive 10% off and you can find the link below in the show notes. So I heard you say, I think it was in your most latest podcast episode, um, that you really have to possess a level of like emotional intelligence. I don't remember if that's exactly the word that you used, but you really have to possess a level of XYZ before diving into shadow work because it can bring up so much um, emotional distress that some people are just really not prepared for. So what maybe are some signs that someone may be able to see that they are ready for shadow work? Mm, this is such a beautiful question. I just feel like shadow work is not for beginners. And this is so weird because I also have like a contradicting opinion on this. So I want to talk about the contradicting as well. I really feel like the light and the love and the manifestation and meditation and affirmations, it comes from a place of overflow once we've actually healed things internally, mm. right? Because if you're really battling some demons and there's a lot of parts in your of yourself that you reject, but you're looking at yourself in the mirror every day and you're like, you're the baddest bitch on the block, mm -hmm. you don't believe that. You don't believe that. Yeah. And we have to heal the part of you that doesn't believe that and why first. So you're not just lying to yourself and gaslighting yourself every single day. But at the same time, we want to be really discerning in that if someone is in a really low spot in their life where they don't even have that foundational level of self-love or habits and routines to keep them grounded and supportive people around them and a really good concept mm -hmm. of self, and then we just dive into all of these parts of yourself that you were taught not to love and like the really heavy, intense stuff, like for me, I care about my clients so much. I care about their well-being so much, and I know that we're going into a space that is really deep in the subconscious and the human psyche. And what I would never want is for anyone to feel unstable mm -hmm. while doing this work. And so although my clients do leave saying, I feel activated, I feel triggered, I feel sweaty, I feel uncomfortable. I know like they've got themselves. Like I know they're going to leave the call and they're going to do their evening routine. Yeah. And they're going to sleep well and all that stuff. So I think to me, you know when you're good. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You know when you're a solid human that is in a good place right now and has the base level of personal development and mindset work and you're just ready to go a bit deeper. If you're super fragile right now and like you are not in a good place, you don't have a concept of self, perhaps we want to work on getting to a base level of that first so that we have a solid foundation to dive into the deeper works so that you don't feel like just jarred and mm. like traumatized from the things that you've seen. For sure. Cause grounding it, like being grounded is one of the most important things, especially if you're on this like journey of wanting to attract better things into your life, you need to stay grounded. So mm -hmm. I love that. Um, and I guess speaking of self-love, like what has been your biggest lesson in self-love as someone who truly does wholeheartedly love themselves? Because I know that you are that queen. <laughs> I do love myself so much. And it's so weird to say that because a couple of years ago, I just was not in that space. But I think 
I think what I was trying to do for so long was I was looking at other people and how they lived their life and the body that they had and the relationship that they had. And I was really just trying to morph myself Mm -hmm. into a version of someone else. And when I started to embrace my uniqueness and all of the unique differences that I had comparing myself to other people, I was like, this is so cool because what I've come to learn is like, we, a lot of us are going after like a a type of body that 1% of the world has. And we're going for the same house aesthetic and the same relationship and the same everything. And it's like, can we just take a second? Like how fucking boring would that be if we were just all walking around with the same house and the same relationship and the same body and the same personality? Like that is just so boring. And I think when I started to focus on my uniqueness and just how cool it was that I'm my own person with my own experiences and my own strengths and my own weaknesses. I just fell in love with myself. Mm -hmm. And there are even parts of my personality that I just kind of fluffed off before. I remember when I was doing my life coach training and one of the tests that we had to do was like this test that showed you the 25 qualities that you need to have as a life coach. And it rated you from your strongest to your weakest. Mm -hmm. And my top one, which is going to be a surprise to absolutely (laughs) no one was my humor. And so I got that test back and I was like, what the fuck? Right? Like, yeah. Oh, amazing. Like, I'm so funny. Like I'm going to be such an amazing life coach because I didn't really love that part of myself at that time. That's what draws a lot of people to you. Like of that's course. what draws yeah. me to you She's initially, right? Like, I got lots of people popping up in my DMs, but the way that you did, like your humor, I was like, okay, I like this girl. <laughs> yeah. And I thought like, what does that have to do with, with life coaching? Mm-hmm. Right. But because I am able to go so deep with my clients, it's also such a gift that I'm able to read the room mm-hmm. and know when an appropriately timed joke can also come into the conversation yes. to lighten the mood. Like it's actually such a strength. So I think just owning my uniqueness instead of trying to be the same as every single person I'm seeing on my Instagram or TikTok feed, just owning the uniqueness is the best thing that we can do. We're all trying to be so boring and basic and the same. And it's like, that is just simply not the vibe, is it? No, for sure. So because you had expressed like your biggest lesson in, you know, cultivating more self-love was to embrace your uniqueness. And that really involves a a large level of self-acceptance. Um, And I think that's something that a lot of people lack when it comes to loving and accepting themselves is the ability to actually dive deep into themselves in a sense of like knowing who you are at a deeper level. Because just like you said, right, like people are out here trying to achieve XYZ and make their house look like XYZ person's house or make their body look like XYZ person's house or eat what XYZ person eats. But what if you don't actually fucking like that? Like, what if that actually just like doesn't align with you, but you just like are forcing it? So it's this idea of like, you have to get to know yourself at a deeper level in order to even embrace who you are uniquely. So can you Mm -hmm. explain on top of that, the importance of getting into the nitty gritty of yourself and maybe like your top three tips for getting to know yourself at a deeper level? Yeah, this is such a good point and such a good conversation because I think 
the reason why so many people are attaching themselves to a certain lifestyle, relationship, aesthetic is simply because they don't know themselves. Mm -hmm. They don't even know what they like. And I know that was true for me. And at the beginning of this year, I had such a big breakthrough when it came to business because I am a very unique individual, as we've already touched on. But a lot of the people that I was looking up to in this industry, like their aesthetic was more like light and mm-hmm. fluffy and yoga and light and love. And so I was trying to morph my business into that. Like I was like, this is what it looks like. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was trying to replicate that because I thought that's what I had to do. And then I would look at my content and the pinks and the purples and the yellows. And I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> this is not like, me. I was like, this does not feel like me. Mm-hmm. And when I was really honest with myself about the fact that I am like a dark, moody, sexual person, like I wanted my brand and my business to showcase that. And when I actually just started being honest about like who I am and what I like, and I got clear on that, like now all of my people are here Mm -hmm. that see me and love me for me, even though I, I am different. So I think if you are someone who is listening to this conversation and you feel like you just jump from like hot take to hot thing, to hot thing, to hot thing. It might be because you don't know yourself Mm -hmm. deeply. And to me, that makes me so sad because in my business, in my relationship, friendships, my relationship with myself, my routines, like I just value depth so much. Mm -hmm. Like, and I just can't imagine going through life, like not knowing yourself, not knowing what your dream day looks like, not knowing what your very last meal would be, not knowing what your actual biggest fear is and like, what does success mean to you? Mm -hmm. And what do you think happens when we die? And like all of this incredible stuff that you can talk about with people and people just don't take the time to get to know themselves. And so when it comes to tips, like, I mean, you're going to want to smack me across the face, but the number one is shadow work for me. Like that's what really allowed me to go to that place of depth with myself And then I still very much prioritize as tip number two, like dating myself Mm. and everyone had their own experience during COVID. And I I really send like my deepest love and compassion and sympathy to people that it was a very difficult time for them. But for me, I was locked in my apartment that I lived in alone. I just recently gone through a breakup and I took that time to date myself and get to know myself and take myself out when we were not in a lockdown. And so think about the effort that you would put into like getting to know a friend or like dating your future partner, what kind of questions are you asking them? What kind of activities are you doing with them? What type of love languages are you trying to sustain with them? And like, do you do that with yourself? Mm. So interesting. Sometimes when I ask people their love languages and it's like physical touch or, but they don't do it to themselves. Yeah. I'm like, when's the last time you did that with yourself? Right. Like I will give myself massages, but I will treat myself to a massage. Like I will give that to myself. And so dating yourself, I think is one of the best things that you can do. Mm. And what would number three be? I would say for me and like, the ladies and gents are going to fucking hate this one, but meditation is a really big thing for me because when I've allowed myself the time and space to like quiet my mind Mm -hmm. and actually get to know my intuition and like the thoughts that come through when I'm not caught up in the hustle bustle of the day, like that's when a lot of truth has come through to me. So you need times of stillness and slowness to actually allow certain messages and downloads and intuition to come through for you. And I think a lot of people don't allow themselves that opportunity or that space. Yes. And I love this topic around self-love of 
you know, getting to know yourself at a deeper level and embracing your uniqueness because the whole essence of self-love is to be happy, right? It's to feel good in your skin, to feel happy. And when we are out here not understanding who we are at a deeper level or not knowing our likes and our dislikes and XYZ, we look for that in the external world. And that starts this cycle of, like you said, falling into like this hot topic and this hot topic and this hot topic and following what everyone else is doing because we're searching for happiness. We think, okay, well, it makes this person happy. It should make me happy. And then we shame ourselves when maybe we do do something like you do F45, is it? Mm, Unfortunately, yes, I do. I'm just joking because I love it, but it's like painful. I don't like that type of workouts, right? And so many people do it. I see it online. And if I didn't know that about myself and I went and partake, went and actually partaked in F45, I would probably shame myself for not liking it Mm -hmm. or thinking like, I'm not meant to have a good body or I'm not meant to be healthy, like whatever it is that would come up because I'm searching for happiness in the, in the things that other people like. We can't be happy if we don't even know ourselves because the most cliche thing to say is happiness comes from within, but it, it is the truth, right? So um, it not just comes with accepting you for you, but also knowing who you are because like, how are you going to know what the fuck brings you happiness if you don't even know what brings you happiness, right? So um, yeah. I think that's, I think I love that. I love that we were able to kind of um, touch on that. What are some things? Cause I know that I have talked a lot about like the things that I will avoid after learning the neuroscience of self-love. So I'm wondering what are some things that are like an absolute no brainer to avoid that will affect your self-love that you've learned after learning the ins and outs of shadow work? Ooh, so many things, but girl, I don't talk rude to myself. (laughs) Like I do not speak negatively to myself. I do not. I used to be the queen of self-deprecating humor and like being the butt of my own jokes. Mm -hmm. And like, we do not do that anymore. Like I wholeheartedly believe like I am a worthy queen and I don't make fun of myself. I'm not mean to myself. And that doesn't mean that I don't look in the mirror some days and I'm like, yeah, she's bloated. She's in her luteal Mm -hmm. phase, like holla, but I'm not being an asshole to myself. So I'm really kind to myself. I speak very, very lovingly towards myself. And I think before that just, it wasn't true. I would say that I am very selective about the people Mm. that I allow around me, like super selective about how I utilize my time because the people around us impact us in really, really big ways. And I think before I understood like my people pleasing tendencies and my good girl conditioning, I just tried to fit in with everybody Mm -hmm. and just make everybody happy. I was never like a full on people pleaser. I just feel like it was not written in the stars for me. My personality is just too intense for that. But of course, I wanted to get along with people like in the workplace and I would let a lot of people into my life out of like convenience because we work together and just wanting everyone to feel included. And now I'm like, no, like it's okay to be so selective and to have such high standards because I have unraveled that conditioning of like boundaries and standards make me a bitch, mm-hmm. right? That's what people would say like, oh, like how could you leave them or out or selfish. how could you not invite them? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like I'm like, I'm not worried about any of that anymore, right? Because like I know myself and I think when it comes to shadow work, like you just get to know yourself so well. And so 
people could come at me with like pretty much anything, like calling me a bitch or calling me whatever they want to. And if I've already integrated that part of myself and I know that I can be a bitch, like that's not going to hurt my feelings mm-hmm. the same way as it would a couple years ago if I didn't accept that that part of me existed. So I think if nothing else, like I have extremely high standards for myself, mm-hmm. for the people around me, for my friends, for my clients, and that's okay. Like I don't allow myself to go into shame about that. Um, and then on that, a really nice segue, shadow work has taught me so much about shame. Mm. So I don't shame myself and I don't sit in shame. I actually have really strong opinions about shame. I think that a lot of people go into shame and just have like a little miserable, sucky, like pity party with themselves. And I'm like, what are you even doing? Like, it's just not it's effective. Victim it's mode not effective. a lot of the time. <laughs> it is. And it's like, if you're feeling shame, it's probably for a reason. Use it as a moral compass, right? If I lash out at my partner and then later he tells me like how much that hurt his feelings and how disrespected he felt. And I just like go up to my room and like cry and Mm -hmm. have a little pity party, pout, meltdown. You're not doing anything, right? Take that shame that you're feeling, understand that you're feeling it for a reason because you did something wrong Mm -hmm. and use that shame to redirect and make different decisions in the future. There's a very different energy in that moment if I have a temper tantrum and go upstairs and have like a little shame party versus saying like, thank you so much for bringing that to my attention. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to work really hard so that next time you bring something like that up to me, I don't lash out because you don't deserve that, right? Different energies. One's a victim and one's a responsible queen. Yes, absolutely. Can you actually touch on some of these like hot topics you have around shame? Because what would you say to someone who maybe like internalizes that shame, right? Where they feel like maybe they're not playing victim because they're not like scurrying up to their room and crying and calling all their friends saying like, he said I did this and blah, blah, blah. Like what if they are someone who actually like feels like they internalize it and they, they don't show it to the world? What would you kind of say about that? I think that's the worst type of shame. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. I think that's the worst type of shame because you're not doing anything, Mm -hmm. right? To just beat yourself up and make yourself feel bad and tell yourself that you're wrong and you're horrible and you don't deserve success and you don't deserve money and you don't deserve love and you don't deserve friends and like just having that pity party with yourself you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. If you're feeling shame, it's probably for a reason. So whether you internalize it or whether you externalize it, don't do either. And instead, just use the shame as a compass for where you want to go next. Mm -hmm. If you've done something wrong or whatever it may be that causes you to feel shame, go into curiosity. Like That's what I wish for everybody to do is instead of being so reactive, like go into curiosity, okay, what just happened? And now I'm feeling shame. What could this shame be trying to teach me and show me? Like, Mm -hmm. what could I do different next time so that I don't have to revisit this feeling and this emotion? But so many of us, we don't do that. We're not curious with ourselves. We just go right into beating ourselves up and adding fuel to the fire. Mm -hmm. And so when we are doing that, are we learning anything from the experience? No. Are we learning anything from the experience that's going to allow us to not be in this exact same situation or predicament in two weeks? No, like it's just not effective. It's just not productive. And so I think just using shame as a moral compass to lead you in the right direction that reacts and responds and communicates in the way that like you desire to be Mm -hmm. like the way that your highest self would 
is the most effective use of your time. So the next time you're in shame, I just invite you to be curious. Like instead of just beating yourself up, be curious about what just happened and just go into investigator mode so that we can ensure that you don't find yourself in this situation Mm -hmm. in two days from now again. So what are your tips for someone who might be feeling shame around the things about themselves that make them unique? So maybe they weren't actually in a situation where they had done something wrong, but they're feeling shame. Like as an example, let's say someone had come out to their parents about being gay and their Mm -hmm. parents are just treating them differently or, or whatever their circumstances, like what would be your, what would you have to say to someone who may be experiencing that type of shame? Love this question. And thank you so much for giving me an opportunity to clarify that when we're talking about shame, I'm not necessarily talking about stuff like that, right? Sometimes we feel shame and we don't need to feel shame. And I think what has been really helpful for me when it comes to situations like that is understanding the reason why we are feeling the way that we are feeling. And so if we look back on human history, we used to travel in very small groups where being accepted and being in community and working as a team was super necessary for our survival, Mm -hmm. right? Because we were hunting and gathering together and there is power in numbers. If there's a lion coming towards you and you're a group of 12 people that are traveling in an intimate group versus you are one solo person, like what are the odds looking like, right? Not very strong, not very strong. So throughout human evolution, it's been a requirement for us to be liked and accepted. But although we're allowed to desire that love and acceptance and belonging, we have to be able to discern that whether we are doing something wrong or not, right? So if I lash out at my partner, the example that I already used, and I'm feeling shame, I'm emotionally intelligent enough to know, like I'm feeling shame right now because Mm -hmm. I did something wrong. If I come out, and my family is making me feel shame. I'm also intelligent enough to know I'm actually not doing yes. anything wrong in this moment. And the shame that I'm feeling right now is coming from the fact that I want to be loved and accepted mm-hmm. and belong in my family. I want people to love me. I want people to support me. And like, you're allowed to feel that way. And I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry for people who any expression of who they are mm-hmm. comes out and they feel rejected because you don't deserve that. But that's when you have to know you don't have to feel shame because you are not doing anything wrong. Mm. You're not doing anything wrong in that moment. So I think the word discernment comes up a lot for me, right? You you know when you're actually doing something wrong and when you've acted out and when you've acted in a way that doesn't make you feel proud versus when you're just showing up as yourself and other people have a problem with that. And those people aren't your people because our people love us unconditionally yes. and allow us to be the full expression of who we are. The people that put you in a box and force you to be the person that they desire you to be are not people that love you unconditionally. Mm -hmm. So we have to be able to discern like whether the shame is valid or it's a result of just the innate desire and need that we have as humans to be accepted by those around us. Exactly. And it's really funny too, like, or I shouldn't say funny, but like it ties into the, what we were talking about around embracing your uniqueness, because like you said, 
maybe, you know, your people, your community is going to love you unconditionally. So if you were to actually embrace who you are uniquely and let go of that shame, that is going to allow you to then actually be surrounded and to find the community and connection that you are actually looking for rather than shaming yourself into just staying within the community right now that does not love you and accept you unconditionally. So again, Mm -hmm. I, I think it really just comes back to like embracing yourself like uniquely. Um, Now, getting to know you more on a personal level, which I have absolutely loved, um, I have (laughs) learned that you are a completely different person now compared to like five years ago. So I would love for you to share whatever you are comfortable with. What was your breaking point of like, I can't live life this way anymore. I need to make a change. And what was the first step that you took towards making that change? I was so different in so many ways. Yeah. And I think it really was graduating, getting the government job with a pension benefits. Like I got to the end. I got to the end of all of the things that I was told for the first 20 years of my life. Like this is what's going to make you happy. And this is what successful people do. And like, this is what being an adult is. And I got to that place and I'm sitting in my apartment that I was paying for on my own. So proud of myself. I had my family. I had my friends. I had my health. I had my job and I was in my early twenties and I had a pension and benefits and a salary and all that stuff. And I was like, I am not happy and I have nothing else to work towards. I've achieved it all. Mm -hmm. Like I've achieved it all. I have all the things that everyone's been telling me are going to bring me to this place of happiness. And I was like, there was just that classic feeling that people talk about of like, this cannot be it. Mm -hmm. And this cannot be it for me. Like I am made for more and I've always been stubborn. I've always been fiery. And so I was like, "Mm -mm." like she is not settling for this life. Like, no, she's meant to be a star. She's meant to change lives. And at the time I didn't know that, but I was just like, surely this, this can't be it. And one of the things that I did was go on a retreat. That was one of the first things I did. I was listening to like all the podcasts and reading all of the books, but I went on a retreat, which I don't even know how I found this retreat. I don't even know. I wish I knew all those little details because it would certainly make for a better story, but I ended up going to this retreat and it was actually put on by two girls that were the same age as me. And I was like, girl, <laughs> can you believe this? Like two girls that are my age, like this is what they do for a living. Like mm-hmm. they're teaching people about mindset. And there was a lot of like um, body positivity because that really was the terminology at that time. And there was just so much of that. And that was really my shoe into this world. And it just was a permission slip because I was like, if they're doing it, why would I not Mm -hmm. be able to do it? And it's so interesting looking back because when I was graduating high school, I desperately wanted to be like a personal trainer and I got certified as a Zumba instructor and all this stuff. But my parents told me that it was a hobby. It wasn't something that you could make Mm. your living out of. And at the time they, they had validity in those concerns. Like we were not living in the same time period where now we have social media and it just allows us so many opportunities. And so I always knew, I think that I wanted to be something like what I'm doing right now. But at that time, sure, there were some coaches Mm -hmm. and Joe Dispenza and all those legends, but it wasn't as potent and regular as it is now. Mm -hmm. And it is still a new industry, but 
that was really my point of like getting to the place in my life where I was like, I have all of these things and I feel miserable. Mm -hmm. I feel, I feel just awful. I feel unfulfilled. I feel scared and I feel confused because this is what I was supposed to be working towards. And there actually was a lot of shame in that for me Mm -hmm. because I was like, I have all these wonderful things and I'm so blessed. And like, I know that. Yep. And I'm sitting here and I'm unhappy and that's really, really confusing. But I'm glad that I've always followed my intuition. Mm-hmm. Like there's been a lot of question marks for me that I'm like, maybe if I go down this road, like I'll find something. And maybe if I invest in this course or this coach, like I'll find that thing. And I have mm-hmm. like, and I have, and now I just sit here today and sometimes I'm just like, what the heck? Like my yeah. external environment is so different. My internal environment is so different. And I'm so grateful because it scares me to think about where I would be if I would have just continued down the path I was going down because I was not happy and I was not the person that I wanted to be. And I was not in a good relationship and I did not have good people around me. And like, what type of life would that have been to live? Mm -hmm. It's spooky. Mm -hmm. For sure. Let's shift this over to feminine embodiment. So I thought you'd never ask. (laughs) The Red Witch Becca is here. Um, So what does feminine embodiment mean to you? Is it really just this like aspect of embracing that soft life as like people like to call it? Or is there a way deeper meaning to it? Moment of silence, everyone. (laughs) Like we've we've entered the vortex and everyone fasten your seatbelts. So it's exactly this assumption of like soft living that turned me off to feminine energy for so long. Um, because there are seven feminine archetypes. I personally have a podcast on this. If you're interested in learning a bit more about them and a lot of the people that I would see in this space that would be talking about feminine energy were in like the mother archetype, Mm. like they were light and they were nurturing and they were graceful and soft. And I was like, I don't even think that there's a single part of me that has that. You know what I mean? So I was like, the more I wanted to connect with my feminine energy and learn about it, the more I was like, is that even possible for me? Because Mm -hmm. like, I am the complete opposite of that. And then I learned, even if we were just talking about the feminine archetypes, like there is the queen, there is the huntress, like there is parts of feminine embodiment that I really identify with Mm -hmm. that I don't see expressed or represented in the industry that we are in. And so the funny thing about feminine energy is we're always looking for ways to define it and we're looking for ways to explore it and embody it and practice it. And all of those things are very masculine things. Like defining it, explaining it, organizing it, like all of that stuff, that's very masculine. Mm -hmm. But to me, when we're actually talking about like masculine and feminine energy, the masculine is the doing. So that is like the structure, the organizing, the going and getting the action. Like that's our, that's our society, like the hustle, the, the efficiency, the productivity, Mm -hmm. like what are you doing? And then the feminine is the being Mm -hmm. like, that is the being, that is the intuition, that is the emotions, that is the receiving, that is the pleasure, that is the seduction. It's all of that really beautiful stuff. But a lot of people look at that and they picture like the light feminine Mm -hmm. and that can come with just weak energy by itself. And I want people to know that like being in your feminine is so powerful. And as women, like we, we just make the whole world go around. And I was talking about this on my podcast the other day with a friend of mine, who's really into feminine energy. And we were talking about the fact that like 
if you were in a setting with males and they were all walking around and you showed them a naked picture of a beautiful woman, they all stopped fucking dead in their, in their tracks, yes. right? Like women who are tapped into their sexuality, sensuality, power, magnetism, intuition, like we are so powerful. And that's why, and like, here we go. Like, that's why I'm so passionate about just honestly dismantling like the patriarchy. Like that's really one of the reasons why I think I am here personally. Mm -hmm. Because women, 5,000 years ago, we were worshipped. We were seen for mm. the fact that we are the giver of life. We are so powerful. And like sometime, someday, some man was like, let's go in the opposite direction. Yeah. And I just don't feel that way. Like women are such powerful beings and we just deserve so much. And I think the problem that I came up against for a long time was like, I think as soon as you talk about like the patriarchy people assume you're like a feminist yes. and all this kind of stuff and that's not necessarily how I identify because I do love men and I think that there really is a place for men mm -hmm. in this world and that I love men like I really do yeah. so me leading women home to their power and their femininity does not mean that I'm trying to cancel yes. men I just want women to be in their most powerful sexy confident richest era this of their is how women life. were when like years and years and years ago like that is the natural exactly. female state is to be in their feminine. And we're so far from that yeah. right now and it makes me so sad and it, it makes me so sad because I am an embodiment of that right mm -hmm. now and like it feels so amazing and to know that there are women out there who like can't stand to look at themselves in the mirror. They don't feel confidently. They're not a friend to themselves. Their mind is not a safe place to live. They're disconnected from their bodies. Like I'm like, bitch, no, like we're not living like that anymore. And I just think that's a big part of my mission here on earth is just helping specifically women. It's so funny because like people will say to me, like, don't you feel like, you know, you're cutting off like a whole section of humanity, like so many clients that you could have if you worked with men. And I'm like, I have no interest in working with men. I love women. I am a woman. I understand women. Like I love women so much. So women are just my people. And I just love working with women and like the depth that we can go. So yeah, I think people have femininity wrong because they think it's just like, a sweet little fairy that like stays home and just like dresses up in a beautiful dress and goes out and like picks flowers and like, and I'm like, Oh my God, like puke. Like, and if that makes someone happy, like, Oh my gosh, by all means, like, please do that. But I want people to know that, you know, there's power and strength mm -hmm. and resiliency and magnetism that comes in being a woman. It's not all fluffy and Ugh. it's so it's so it funny be. because something like my biggest lesson in self-love is like taking care of myself like actually showing up mm -hmm. for myself and I was always in my masculine and I because of that I didn't love myself um I saw no progress in my external reality like I was not achieving goals at all and then the second I started to actually embrace a little bit of that femininity and actually start taking care of myself was when I started to see the progress. So as a entrepreneur, what, what do you like, at what point do you think, okay, I need to step in my masculine right now because we need a good balance of the two, right? Like, mm -hmm. especially as an entrepreneur, like your business isn't moving until you are. And that is a very masculine thing is to plan and to have the action. So 
at what point, like in your business, do you go about, okay, I need to be in my masculine right now versus I'm okay and safe to be in my feminine? I love this question. And I think through years and years of practice, specifically in my personal life, I have built a really masculine structure for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, When we are two in our feminine and we have like no plan and no routine and we're just like going with the flow of life, then we can get into trouble when it comes to like efficiency and productivity. Mm -hmm. But for years, I really was disciplined in finding a morning routine that works for me, finding an evening routine that works for me, finding an afternoon routine, a workout routine, a meditation routine Mm -hmm. that works for me. And I stuck to it and I was disciplined. And we know that after you get past a certain point, those things are just autopilot. Those things are just a part of who I am. I don't have to think about them. I don't have to exert energy towards them. That's just who I am. And so because I have those really beautiful masculine structures that I've taken the time to ingrain into my life, Mm -hmm. into my business and into my personality... I know what's up. I know what's up when I get out of bed. I know what's up on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Like I know how things are going personally and professionally. And I have that structure to catch me. And then inside of that structure, I can like flow and enjoy Mm -hmm. and create and be in my feminine. But if I was just waking up every day and I'm like, what are we doing today? Like what zodiac season are we in? What's the sun looking (laughs) like? Mercury in retrograde. (laughs) Yeah. Like let's just go with the flow. Like I would get nowhere. So I have to have those structures. And the structures keep me in check. Like they really do. And the time that I, that I spent creating that structure took discipline Mm -hmm. and took energy and exertion. But I was like, once these things become autopilot for me, like it's game over for you bitches, right? Like once I have a good morning routine, once I have my lead light in my evening routine, like we're going to be on fire. So I'm just so structured in those areas of my life that it allows space for me to flow inside because I'm not always just flying by the seat of my pants. Mm, So you've really just mastered when throughout your day to kind of be in that masculine of like, you know, I need to set myself up for success in the morning and in the evening. So that's when I'm going to kind of step into that masculine and and get shit done. Um, And then that gives you space during the day to like be a little bit more in flow. Okay. I love that take. I've never really, I've never really heard anyone like Explain well, it so that way. <laughs> we have already established. Never before, <laughs> never before seen. Yeah. Just like the perspectives <laughs> are just new and fresh. But yeah. yeah, it's like I don't even have to think about mm-hmm. it. I don't even have to. I know. And you know that I have like theme days yes. in my business as well. So it's like I just – I don't have to think about it. And so it just allows me to just be in flow inside of my days and inside of my weeks mm-hmm. because I know what to expect from every single day, every single morning – And it's just a beautiful thing to be able to, I try to bring as much pleasure into my life as Mm -hmm. I can. And I am the CEO of like making things a vibe. So everything I do, I'm like, how can I just make this more pleasing, more pleasurable, more enjoyable? And that just brings so much goodness into my life and so much feminine energy. (laughs) I love that. So if you were to kind of look at someone from an outside perspective, whether it was like a client or a friend or XYZ, what signs would you see where you're like, whoa, you're way too in your masculine? Like we need to embrace more of this feminine embodiment. I think a lot of people have a fear of just like being alone with themselves. Mm. And when I see somebody whose schedule is packed to the brim 
And when they're not doing something, they're listening to a podcast and they're going and working out and they're meeting with someone for coffee. And it's like, you just get the vibe that they're terrified to be alone with themselves for five minutes and be alone with their thoughts. I'm like, "Mm." there's just a resistance to the slowness and the stillness. And I think that's only natural because again, we are in a society that really pushes and celebrates the masculine and what people are achieving and what they're doing and how productive they're being. Mm -hmm. Like when's the last time someone congratulated you for having a good cry or having a good night's sleep? Like it just doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. But I think people are really prone to burnout and they really measure their like happiness and success and how worthy they they are based on like how much they get done in a day. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Like my worthiness has nothing to do with my achievements, my engagements, the amount of money I make, like my worthiness is just an innate feeling within me. Mm. And so I think that's just the biggest sign that people are in their masculine is just their addiction to productivity and just the external validation. Mm. Like when they get the check mark of like, I got everything done on my to-do list. I got the amount of likes I wanted to on the Instagram posts I've made, like the X amount of money this month, like I am worthy. And like, now I can relax. It's like, no, like we're always worthy of that Mm -hmm. and rest and relaxation and just pleasure and celebration. It's always deserving. You don't have to earn any of that stuff. See, I never really honed in on the fact that we are living in such a masculine society until I started to want to learn more about my female cycle, my hormone cycle. And when I, no pun intended. Um, (laughs) and we just started off the episode telling everyone that I'm on my period and like, in no way was I like, you shouldn't share that. Like, I'm like, you should definitely share that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when I read the book in the flow and I was reading all this research on like, not just how, there have, there's hardly ever women in all of these like studies, but also how we are conditioned to live a 24 hour hormonal cycle when us women actually have a 28 day hormonal cycle. And it's wild that like, like even as someone like myself, who I know the difference between feminine and masculine energy. And I, do try my best to do a good balance between the two. I'm obviously not perfect, but it's wild to me that I didn't even really know that until I read this Mm -hmm. book. And I was like, oh my God, wait, literally our days are structured to be as if we were living in a 24 hour hormonal cycle with the like Mm -hmm. high energy at this time of day. This is when you need to rest, like blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, no, like I'm actually 28 day cycle. And sometimes I need a full fucking week to like almost do nothing and that's okay. And that comes a part of embracing the femininity and being an embodiment of female energy or the feminine energy. So um, it's wild. It's just wild to me that our society is just so masculine. <laughs> like we've just been conditioned. This conversation like quite literally makes my like clitoris tingle. <laughs> like I'm just like, here we go. Like this is so good. And this is something I was even talking to my partner Ryan about the other mm-hmm. day because again, so fascinating, right? That book. And I'm so glad that you enjoyed it. But yeah, Men are on a 24-hour cycle. We are on a 28-day cycle. Mm-hmm. Men are the sun. We are the moon, mm-hmm. which like incredible flex, right? I would definitely want to be the moon if I had the choice. <laughs> and <laughs> love that for us so much. But it's just so fascinating when you do get down to the nitty-gritty of all of that. And this information is just not out there. Mm-hmm. 
And when I talk about femininity, like this is also another thing that I'm really passionate about and also making changes in my life to ensure that I'm living in flow with my cycle. Mm -hmm. I think it's really, really important. And so a part of that was the other night I sat down with my partner and I went through all the different seasons. I went through all of the four stages of the menstrual cycle, um, what it feels like, what hormones are. I did the same with Will. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And Ryan was like, what the fuck? Like he was like, this is crazy. Like how do people not know about this? And also women, two out of the four weeks of our cycle, we're not feeling well. And like, but we don't act like it. You know what I mean? We don't act like it. Even the fact that there are like Playtex sport tampons is crazy because we're not supposed to be working out during our cycle. It's so interesting. And so I said to Ryan, I was like, isn't it crazy? Like, what do we even learn in sex ed, right? Like how to put a condom on a banana. And he said, he said, I didn't even have sex ed, right? So like some people aren't even learning about, wow. not e- I don't even want to say the basics because they don't cover the basics when it comes to womanhood. And this is when I have to work so hard. Like, let me be so fucking for real with you right now. <laughs> I have to work so hard not to become like a conspiracy theorist. Mm. Like, I'm like, why are women so disconnected from their bodies, mm. their cycle, their sexuality, like all of the things that make us powerful. It's like the the messaging, the marketing, like yeah. what we see on the TV, like everything is working so hard, working overtime to disconnect us from all of these things because what happens when we come online like what happens when we start when to get every female starts to those things? Yes. we're so powerful yeah. we're unstoppable and like that's not what the people want because it would threaten a lot of the structures that are currently in place mm. right now and that excites me because I'm like the feminist is on the rise yeah. like feminism and like being awake to this type of stuff it's it's rising and when I see people on my TikTok for you page like talking about it in a way that I actually find like accurate and empowering it excites me so much because I'm like yes like it's time for women to wake up mm-hmm. because here's the facts at the end of the day right men are created by us yes and again I love men <laughs> love men but they are created. Yes. We create them in our bodies. They would not be here without us. So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. let's not forget. I We birthed you, yep. right? Like we are so powerful and I just love women so much. And I'm just like, so sick of this. Mm-hmm. So sick of women having to be watered down and unexpressed and like fit into societal norms and expectations and don't do this. And that's not ladylike. It's like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Like, I just want women to be fully expressed. We are so powerful and the world would just be a better place. I even heard you on, I think it was your podcast episode, or it may have been someone you guested on, but you had talked about how a lot of the industries would actually go to shambles if women started to actually embrace their femininity and step into mm-hmm. their power, even just like from a confidence level, because you had said something about like, um, like the makeup industry or skincare industry, all these industries that make us feel like we need to do or have X, Y, Z in order to actually be accepted by not just society, but men. And mm-hmm. um, I think that that is has so much truth to it because like, yeah, it's just, again, it's just wild to me that our society is just built and we're just conditioned to be so masculine or to like abide to like men men's ways of yeah yeah so it's it's crazy and it's not that I would necessarily want all of these industries to crumble because that would probably mean that you know someone would lose their job and whatever but I would want them to change and 
I mean, don't ever take skincare away from me, right? Like it's part of my evening routine, God bless. And I put on makeup to enhance my beauty. I don't need it. But when it comes to things like fat loss pills and cellulite cream, like making us feel like natural parts of our body are shameful and not normal. I'm like, goodbye, right? Like you could go out of business. I would not lose sleep at night because it's just so silly. Even a lot of like feminine products to rid us of like certain scents or sensations and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm sorry, (laughs) what? Like you mean my pussy, my self-cleaning machine, like just let her do her thing. Like I don't need that. It's just so interesting the way that they try to make us feel like our body is not functioning optimally or it's not normal to have cellulite Mm -hmm. or stretch marks. It's like it is. Mm -hmm. And men have them too, but men don't have creams to try to rid themselves of these things. So a lot of the industries that are targeted on like making us feel bad about ourselves so that they can profit off of our insecurities. Do I think about them going out of business? Maybe. (laughs) You know what? Truthfully though, like even the skincare and the makeup, like if they just marketed it differently, marketed and mm-hmm. marketed it, it, that's such a freaking tricky word. It's, it's a tough yeah. one. <laughs> if, if they just marketed it in a way that allowed us to, like you said, want to wear makeup to embrace our features, features not to hide the things about ourselves that we don't like, or the skincare not to hide our acne, but more from a way of like enhancing your like skin health or something right it's just the Mm -hmm. marketing and it's and it's it's this like over problem awareness type of marketing that is like kind of really icky and you get a lot of it in the coaching space I've noticed but Mm. um it's yeah it's just over like problem awareness like you need this for the solution when it's like the solution's already inside of you like let's let's market this a little bit differently (laughs) Yeah, you have all the answers. And so this goes in two different directions, right? When it ta- when we talk about marketing, like when I see companies, even like Ari that don't Photoshop their photos anymore and there's inclusivity when it comes to race and size diversity, I'm like, mm, add to cart. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I love that so much. And then when it comes to like the coaching industry and the more internal stuff, I want people to know that, yeah, all the answers are within you. Mm -hmm. And there is so much information out there that you could go and seek out. The beautiful thing about coaching and the thing that I share a lot is that it just allows you the ability to time collapse. Mm -hmm. Like I am not smarter than you. I'm not better than you. I'm not wiser than you. Maybe I'm funnier than you. But the point is, let's hone back in, is that I just have information. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, just a moment for that. But I just have more experience than you. Mm -hmm. And so you absolutely could spend the next, well, what I did was spend four years trying to learn all of this information, Mm -hmm. or you have the privilege and the opportunity to come into a program that would teach you that in like three months or six weeks. And that is just so cool. So it's the ability to time collapse. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily always providing people these solutions or these answers that they could not find anywhere else other than inside of your program. Like that's just probably not true for being honest with ourselves, but it's allowing people the opportunity to grow at such rapid rates. And I'm so thankful for 
the places that I've been able to step into and the rooms I've been able to step into Mm -hmm. that have given me the answers that I know that if I wasn't in those rooms, I would like still be working to this day to find. And that's why even when people are like starting their podcasts, for example, there's so much that goes into starting a podcast, right? Like what platform are you going to use? What mic are you going to use? And like, how do you X, Y, and Z? And so if I can just jump on a call with people and in an hour, like answer all of those questions for them that took me a long time to figure out it's just such a blessing to be able to help people move exactly. at a more rapid rate so they can get closer to their dreams and like the person they're supposed to exactly. be. Exactly. We went on like this weird little, ta- not weird, but helpful, but also like this little tangent on marketing. And I think it all just really comes back to just embracing who you are and your uniqueness because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. like, yeah, all these big marketing, co- not marketing companies, but all these big companies are marketing to you the things about yourself that you're insecure about um, that are going to make you want to change it. So just embracing who you are um, uniquely because we all are different. And I think that that's really important to note. But I am going to end off, I think, because you are the first guest, but I think I'm going to do this thing where to kind of like bring a little bit more humor into it at the end. Um, My question to you is, what was the cringiest thing you did before you started loving yourself? (laughs) Those who can't see, Becca's just staring at me like, are you fucking kidding me right now? (laughs) No, I know exactly what it is. And this is just, this is about me. This is not to shame anyone else's decisions. Getting back together with my ex-boyfriend who cheated on Mm. me. Bitch, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Because I think once you know yourself and you love yourself and you understand the value that you bring to the table and you raise your standards and you understand what you deserve... I say all the time, I love my partner, Ryan, more than anything. Like, I believe he is my soulmate. He is my best friend. We have a dog together. We just bought a house together. And if that man cheated on me, there would be a Mm U-Haul in my motherfucking driveway in an hour after I found out because I know my worth. So when I think back to the place of a lack of self-love and a lack of self-worth that I must have been in to like get back together with my ex who cheated on me multiple times, mm-hmm. might I add. I'm like, girl, you know what I mean? Like I, I love her and I send her so much compassion, but that is like the cringiest thing, like to stay in a place that disrespected me so much and did not see my value so much. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like equally I have so much compassion for her, but also like the cringe, like the physical, like visceral response that you can obviously see I have right now. Like it gives me the ick that I would think I just want to shake that version of myself. Like I'm like, girl, there is someone out there that is going to worship you like and kiss the ground that you walk on and treat you like the queen that you are like walk out that door right fucking now. Yes. And you know what? I'm guilty of this too. I I feel like a lot of us, a lot of us are sure. unfortunately, but, um, and that j- even from like a subconscious level, like the amount of damage it does to your self love, like when you stay mm-hmm. surrounded by someone who does that because you start to accept that as like, what love means to you and then you start to treat yourself in that way because it becomes engraved into your identity and it's just yeah so I can I can relate to that one that one is a a very cringy yet unfortunately relatable thing that we have all done 
the yes. first thing that came through. And I'm like, just be for real. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I have loved this very much. So, um, uh, very insightful information. Um, I, I loved this. So thank you so much for being the very first guest on the Upper Limit Podcast. Can you I will yes, never forget this yes. day. <laughs> um, can you share where people can find you to learn more about you and to dive into your content and your brain? Because I love Becca's brain. Absolutely. Um, I am on Instagram at Beck Nickel, so it's Becca without the A. And I have a podcast called There She Glows with Becca Nichols, where I upload weekly and it's just one of my favorite platforms and the community that I've built over there is so, so special. Um, But when you go on my Instagram, there is a link to all of the different platforms that you can find me on and all of the ways that you can work with me. But my main platform is Instagram and that's where I hang out every single day. I also absolutely love connecting with people. And something that I've been experiencing recently is that people will reach out to me and I'll answer and they'll be like, Oh my God, like, I can't believe you responded. And like, thank you so much for responding. And I'm like, what? Wait, that's sad. People don't respond. (laughs) No, seriously. I feel the same way. And I'm like, I'm not Kim Kardashian. You know what I mean? Like, I'm going to respond to you. And like the basis of my work and my podcast and just the life that I've been able to build for myself is because of the community I've created. Mm -hmm. So I love nothing more than talking to people. So if you resonated with this episode and if you have any like questions or comments or anything, like don't be afraid, like please slide into my DMs. Obviously I have no shame. Like that's how I met Jerica. Like I slide <laughs> into people's DMs all the time. Yeah. It's like my signature move. So yeah, I love connecting with people and I don't want there to be that disconnect. Mm-hmm. So let Jerica and I know like how you love this episode and yeah, we just can't wait to connect with you. Cause like, what the hell, yeah. what the hell is this yeah, all for? We can all talk. Exactly. Exactly. So I will put all of Becca's links below in the show notes and I hope you guys fell in love with Becca too, because she is a little, a little frisky, Same. spicy red witch gem. <laughs> XOXO. Gossip yes. Girl. <laughs> and Becca will actually literally do that after text messages, like voice notes. She'll be like, XOXO gossip girl. I think this girl is so funny. Sign off. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Becca, for coming on to the Upper Limit podcast. Thank you for having me. 